0: I just think you're taking it too far. This stuff with, you know, the woman's movement, I respect, but it's just... It's complicated, and I think it's too much for him. What
1: are I don't know what it is that you're talking about.
0: Okay, he's a 15 year old boy. I know. You're giving him hardcore feminism, and it, but it, he it,
1: really loves it, and it's really it's helping him. Helping him what? It's helping him become a man. This what you were talking about. Learning like,
0: about a female orgasm is helping him be a man. Well,
1: what man do you know that cares anything about that? Look, I mean that's a miracle. But he's what a high is school everything? kid. Okay, it's too much. I'm telling you. I think he seems really okay with it. Hello Bartek. Hello. How are you going? Hey, alright. That's great. How are you Ryan Selinski? Menstruation. That's how I'm going. Menstruation. Mm-mm. Menstruation. Menstruation. Say it Bartek, look at me in Men- the eyes.
0: Menstruation. Why are
1: you saying it like you're afraid? Just say the word. Like, it's normal, Bartek. It's normal. Menstruation. Men-
0: menstruation.
1: If our episode gets demonetized on YouTube because we use this in less than 30 seconds, that's not fair. And to think... <laughs> this is just saying menstruation. I'm not saying any naughty words. It's just a part of the body. Mm-hmm. A part of the cycle for some people mm-hmm. out there. Menstruation. No,
0: I, I think it's fine. I think my original idea of starting it by going, hello, art fags, would have been, you know, a bit more grounds for that.
1: Menstruation, please.
0: <sighs> Ryan makes a request.
1: <laughs> she said something like that at one person, didn't she? There was someone next there. She says "I wish I wrote it down." There was one funny line in that big monologue of menstruation where she she turned, like said his and, name or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah, Simon. Menstruation. <laughs> it, was like a, it was like a question. <laughs> menstruation. Yeah. So we are here. Spit and polish presents to menstruating. Talk about menstruation. Talk <laughs> menstruation in a way yeah yeah, because we're a movie podcast or you know what movie starts with m just like the word menstruation there you go we you know what's funny we've said it so many times but still not as many as that scene
0: very interesting well we haven't had a whole group do it yet
1: uh okay listening people you have to say it three two one play All right, we are here to talk about a movie that was recommended, was recommended by you specifically, Bartek,
0: so... Wait, is that how Pictures Power works? Yep,
1: you recommend one, then the next episode is me, then the next one after that is The Listening People, so people, you can recommend us movies by emailing us or hitting us up on social media, all of that is in the description below, but what did you pick as a film?
0: The film that I picked was the 2016 American film, 20th Century Women. Yep.
1: Uh, We're going to go into spoilers for this, but before we do, could you give just a brief overview of what this movie is, just to entice people to give it a look before we go into our usual discussion of plot and our history and all of that?
0: Yeah, so this is a film where you can apply, you know, bits of a couple of labels, you know, a bit of a comedy drama, bit of a slice of life, bit of a character study, um, a coming-of-age film. Period piece. Period piece. It's very firmly set in 1979, the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a lot of historical context going on there, and it's basically following-
1: Autobiographical a, film, semi-autobiographical film.
0: Yeah, in an allegorical sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> It's following a group of people that live in this apartment building or this building with like mm-hmm. shared, you know, communal space. Yeah. Um and you, you know, get to know each of these characters, you get their backstory in in more detail than you would expect uh mm-hmm. from a film. Um and and basically everything that you follow the characters doing, you have that information in your head and you start to get a you know picture of who these people are through what they're doing and what you've learnt about them and what mm. little you know about, in some of their cases, what they're doing later on.
1: And I guess the central kind of movie pitch to this is an older single mother raising a teenage son enlists the help of... Two other women, one of them being the son's friend and one of them being an old, like a a a woman in her mid-twenties. A sort of big sister-sister. Yeah. uh, Big sister. Who is just a border in their house. And so it's these different generations of women trying to raise this... A boy and all of them coming to terms with multiple things including the child and about like how much of a masculine influence should there be can we do it without it all of that is there but uh like we said now we're going to go into the spoiling details if this sounds of interest to you give it a check out it is by A24 it's got Greta Gerwig in it those two things I feel if you know your films and stuff will kind of also let you know what this movie is because Greta Gerwig wrote Lady Bird which has similar type of energy to this and mm. A24 are known for releasing more of your uh highbrow artsy affair type movies and yeah, very much I... at this uh, in this junction in time people are praising them for their uh art house horror or I loathe the term elevated horror because i think that is a derogatory term for a genre to say now we're making elevated versions of this <laughs> it's saying that we're trying to get the oscars it, back it's saying that we haven't <laughs> had this before i mean rosemary's baby won an oscar
0: didn't it mm. i mean come on yeah when i was looking up that actress greta gerwig yes i'd uh, said that she's a well-known figure in uh the cinema known as like mumblecore or something yes like that.
1: we've talked about mumblecore on the pod before
0: yeah, I, I don't- And twee. I remember we were talking about twee. I don't quite remember the mumblecore thing. and I was looking at the Wikipedia page for it and, like, list of films that fall under it, and there were a couple of things that we'd done before that fell under it. I remember one of them was Murder Party on the mystery mm-hmm. box. I'm like, oh, okay, so it's that kind of, you know, sort of Indie-ish sensibility. Hipstery. Hipstery. Indie-ish. Wes
1: Anderson can be aggressively mumblecore for some people. He's more twee, but, yes, those mm. kind of- conversations about nothing but everything yeah
0: conversations are more important than plot i think Mm -hmm. was the description
1: yes uh so i'll go over my history i don't have any uh i didn't know about this movie i don't even remember when it came out you've informed me at the end of last episode and bringing this up that you do have a history with this so i'll Mm -hmm. hear it and once you tell me maybe i'll recollect you having said this and gone through this before but it's not hitting me right now Mm -hmm. i like the actors i saw annette benning was in this i like annette benning she's a very skilled actress she's always one who delivers weirdly enough i think of her for weird comedic performances even though she's done a lot of dramatic work uh billy crudup or billy crudup i've heard it pronounced both ways i watched some i actually did watch some videos and reviews of this movie after watching it to kind of have a look around and what other people's opinions were just minorly And people pronounce his name both those ways. I like him as an actor. He's really great. Uh, Greta Gerwig, I have no problem with. I know of her. I've seen Lady Bird. She wrote that. She wasn't in that. I think she directed it too, if I'm not mistaken. But I know of her. I didn't know the kid. And as you know, I know Elle Fanning. I liked her a lot in uh, The Neon Demon. Mm -hmm. And I think she's one of those up-and-coming actresses that's somebody to keep your eye on. She's very versatile, but also has that unique Elle Fanning quality, sister of Dakota Fanning, who was one of, if not the biggest child actresses of our era growing up, right? You had, you know, you had your actors of the child variety like Frankie Muniz and Hilary Duff and Amanda Bynes and all that, but when it came to, like, movies you had dakota fanning with like charlotte's Web, and she was in war of the worlds and so many other things uh we could go through but so Elle fanning sister of dakota fanning and uh i like Elle fanning a lot i thought to jump the gun i thought she was the greatest part of this movie for me i thought she was excellent here but uh yeah and then <laughs> the nerd in me i was just like There's a scene where a doctor starts talking, and we don't see them yet. It's uh, Mm -hmm. Greta Gerwig's doctor. uh, And I heard his voice, and I went, Dr. Phlox from Star Trek Enterprise has entered the (laughs) chat, and he's a doctor again, because he's a very... I don't know if you remember his scenes too well in this, but he has a very specific type of voice where he's one of those actors you can tell has had stage training because they enunciate their words in a very deliberate way and manner of speech that people don't really do in real life. But they talk like this, where you're understanding every single moment of a word that they are articulating to you and i heard his voice and i had a smile
0: because i went oh it's my favorite was that was that the scene where i was like you shouldn't have a baby yeah
1: yeah uh and yeah guy glasses kind of balding a bit tubby uh and he's my favorite character in star trek enterprise a show that i find very boring out of star trek and he's the most fun he's the wacky alien doctor who has multiple wives and he has pet animals in his in his sick bay that he likes to experiment on and he's just great so I was I was happy to see him. But uh that's kind of my background with this and then I just got a copy of it and went in blind. I didn't know the plot. I didn't know anything. I just knew some actors and that was it. What about you?
0: Yep. So my history, and I have told this on the podcast at some point. I don't remember what the context was, but it was um it was a case where I was talking about the story itself rather than the film um so once upon a time i mean it would have been 2016 Mm. um my mum's uh friend i think they went to high school together and then they worked together um she got some tickets to a mystery screening
1: oh okay
0: yep so it was like oh you go to the cinema you give these tickets you don't know what film you're gonna see um
1: I've never done those. The closest I've got is when I leave a cinema, I just walk into another cinema illegally and just yes, and then roll watch, the die.
0: and watch Batman v Superman. Yes. <laughs> um, and
1: Star Wars uh, Force Awakens, I did that one
0: oh, okay. Um So anyway, yeah, we got to the event. Obviously, you know what film I saw. Um, and I made an effort to, like, not look around at the posters. I'm like, let's go in as blind as possible, mm-hmm. you know, just get really surprised by it. Um my mom did look at the posters, so when uh, we, when we sat down and a lady like introduced the event, like "Hello, everyone, welcome to the mystery screening. You don't know what film you're gonna see," and blah blah blah, she was talking. And then the final thing she said was the the clue. It's like, now you don't know what film it is, but I'm gonna give you a hint. It is a film made for the 20th century woman. <sighs> and then you hear a lot of people in the room like kind of giggle, like ah, like knowing laugh. But me, I did. I'd never even heard of this film. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the poster. Walking in, so I'm like, uh, I thought, like, oh god, am I in for like a you know chick flick with my mum and two other older women? Like, am I gonna be? Yeah,
1: you you missed out on watching the other woman with your parent <laughs> with your mum. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So I, that was it. And then when the film started, thankfully, this was a film that showed the title in it. I'm mm. like, oh, twentieth That's the name of the film. Oh, oh mm. she really gave it away, huh? Yes. Yeah. She yes. just gave it away right before the lighting yeah. went down yeah
1: it's like if i when i went into the batman v superman a, a person said hello for those who have uh, legally entered the cinema and didn't see what you're walking into i'm just going to give you one clue it is uh, a film about a f- uh, about a bat man <laughs> versing a super fellow.
0: A man who is very super in a lot of ways. And there's a sort of dawn of justice <laughs> after it all. And then
1: I sit there and then they play and then they and then they play Ten Cloverfield Lane instead. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what? I just saw this movie. I went from this
0: movie again. Oh boy, crazy stuff. And then they come out pointing was like I tricked you. I tricked you. I see you. <laughs> And then you're like, oh, so that's why everyone was really confused when you said that. Yeah. You confused the whole room just to get at me.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was just some people whispering, I thought I was here for that, 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 that Ten that of movie. Shh, don't, sh- shut up, shut up. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Like this.
0: some of them, some uh, of them in the room did know. I'm too, embar- I'm too embarrassed to get up and leave. I'm just going to sit and watch the film.
1: And, and I sit and watch the film, but it's like there's this cinema manager person just standing there with their arms crossed looking at me. But I don't care.
0: So, yeah, so the the film played, um, and I remember when we got out, uh, my mum and I liked it. I think my mum's friend uh, thought it was all right, and I think her friend that also came with us wasn't into it. Okay. Yeah. So
1: quite an array of reactions were had.
0: Yeah, and, and it's one of those films where, you know, I, I'd seen it and it was a surprise thing. Like, I've mentioned before, like, when I saw films with my mum in the cinema, you know, in the past decade it was a lot of, like, her taking me to see something and me just blindly saying, yes, I'll go see it, just, you know, Mm -hmm. for a bit of a fun surprise. Um, And then this was one I was like, oh, that was a really good one, but I hadn't heard of it, you know, walking in. Mm. I guess I haven't been paying attention to films, but ever since then, I've never really heard anyone talk about it.
1: No, I actually looked it up after I said, like, I watched it. There was a video talking about how this is A24 there, or A24 for some people out there. (laughs) uh most under the radar and misunderstood film that they Mm. put out and how it kind of for cinema snobs out there who like a24 they raise their nose up at this and or many people just don't know it exists and Mm. it's quite an oddity of why that is because it does have some uh weight behind it when it comes to like i said the cast the the people who made it got
0: nominations i think for best screenplay or something
1: I didn't know it. When you actually said last week, 20th Century Woman, I was like, is this hidden? Like in my brain, I, I, I for some reason imagine Hidden Figures, the mm. movie with Octavia Spencer and the
0: Space Control. Yeah,
1: with uh, Kevin Costner, of course, and mm. uh, uh,
0: uh, 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 a film that I saw a million the trailers for a million times. And
1: Sheldon from the Big Bang
0: Theories in that movie, too. <gasps> wow. Uh, but yeah, so in the years you know, pr- proceeding after having seen it. I didn't necessarily remember too much from it, I remembered things here and there, mm-hmm. but it always just stuck in my mind of like, I still haven't really heard anyone talking about it. So
1: let's rectify that. What was it like to revisit?
0: It was interesting to revisit. It, it's, it has a very, using one of the terms you said before, the, the indie sensibility to it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the characters, you know, talk in a way that, you know, feels very scripted but very deliberate um the the characters all you know have their characterization they um which reflects you know who they are things like that and it's just really interesting seeing them bounce off each other and seeing these moments that you know because you feel the script feels somewhat artificial but because of the performances feel kind of genuine
1: yeah yeah i I definitely got that where the actors are giving really naturalistic performances to very scripty dialogue at points where, say, this is different, of course, but Tarantino's dialogue is never natural. Mm. But his actors don't give natural performances. They give a specific genre piece performance. Like, John Travolta in Pulp Fiction is not giving this type of performance, right? He's mm. giving a... A B movie kind of crimey thing with his element of being John Trump you know what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. usually that or David Lynch movies, right? Where David Lynch will have his very certain way of speaking and Carl McLaughlin will play it weird because it's weird. Like Dale Cooper's not a normal naturalistic performance f- for an actor. It's weird. Mm. Um but no, I I was positive walking into it uh my wife rachel for whatever reason was not on board before even getting any information I rem- I she just kind of winced you know. and went Ugh. and when we were watching it you know before we watched it i was like i am not i'm not wanting to i'm not i don't really i'm not in the mood for it but she watched it with me and i was kind of just like no i'm gonna take it at face value i don't know anything about it like you a mystery but I was keen because you know I saw some actors' faces at least, and I said oh, no, no. And then when it A twenty four popped up, I went oh, even better. I've liked their movies before, so I felt more comfortable. Even though my wife was walking in negative to it, so I had like this energy of like, yeah, I really want to be in this movie. And unfortunately, I never got into it. I my description of it would be, I was always a step or two behind. Mm. Whenever I felt like I was getting comfortable in a moment in the movie, it's like an electric shock would go at me because it has certain things that are pet peeves of mine. So it's not as if my criticisms are necessarily going to be, the film did this wrong, blah, blah, blah. This is definitely a case of preferences for me. So when I say like this thing was wanky, for me it's wanky. For you it may not be, as Mm. a listener or you Bartek, but you, if you listen to our pod well enough and if you know me well enough, certain things I'm gonna bring up in this discussion may not be a surprise why they don't gel with me. And I've done that even with movies I like, where it's just like, I like space sweepers, right? But there were things in that movie where it's just like that doesn't gel with me. I would have preferred this. But it still the movie still works right this movie mm. is you know uh, uh it, it works as a film but they were just I, once i was like okay i'm I'm in, I'm, in this scene then they would do something that i find particularly grating and it would just take me out of it so for instance oh, i'm enjoying this conversation and all these characters are gonna make out okay we're gonna progress with this and then it'll be no no before we have sex take my photograph Mm, yeah the a like, story oh. or something and when here's when i knew the movie was going to be like that when uh greta gerwig's character the the one who has the ziggy stardust hair which i instantly clocked i was like i know what you are took the photo of uh i do believe it was elle fanning mm. and then shook the polaroid and she's like i'm taking a photo every single day
0: everything of my, that happens in my day everything that
1: happens in my day in my life or whatever I instantly knew that I was not going to be gelling with that because that's that kind of (laughs) hipster shit that keeps me at a distance. Such as um, when that happened, I said to my wife, Rachel, and she didn't agree until later in the movie. But it made me think of American Beauty, the film starring Kevin Spacey, Mm -hmm. the iconic Kevin Spacey. Have you ever seen it? No. There's an iconic wanky moment. That film's pretty wanky. I like American Beauty, but it holds me back from loving it where one of the characters is like an artsy fartsy filmsy student guy. And he's like filming stuff on his camera and he's filming this plastic bag, just blowing in the wind. And he gives such an incredulously pretentious monologue about how it's like life. And I'm documenting this moment and how life is fleeting like this bag in the wind. And I'm like, shut up. It's just a plastic bag. You fuck. And that's how I (laughs) felt about her. And then I was like, Oh, it's going to be this type of movie where there's going to be those things throughout it, that makes me go, shut the fuck up, I hate you. Um, But then I would be really drawn to the characters because, as you said, they give really naturalistic and well-honed performances, but it's that script, man. Always pulling me out. Those actors are doing God's work for me in this movie, where I want to like these characters because of those actors, more so than the script at points. And again, the script has really great moments here, But also lots of moments that it was just felt as if it was directed at me not to like it. Mm -hmm. What do you think?
0: I agree with the the wanky term.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I agree with the wanky term. Quotation Bartek
0: 2022. (laughs) Every day. Every day, Um, bro. (laughs) I still agree with the wanky term. Um, i i do agree that the film definitely has that quality to it and it's not necessarily something that i myself also enjoy but um i guess what made me accept it a bit more was the fact that uh, you know as the film goes on especially with the annette benning character the Mm. the mum character uh we do get this you know recurring theme of you know uh isolation or being out of touch yeah. with a lot of these and she she's also kind of weird herself you know mm. being the mother who's like you know confident but flaky and wants to help but get someone else to do it she's stuck in a cycle as well she's stuck in a cycle um and it almost kind of feels like you the audience is also you know out of touch with you know what you're seeing here because this is a film set in 1979 made in 2016 mm. there's a pop culture happening on screen that is from the past and you know whether some people are still into that now or not mm-hmm. um it- like
1: i understood a lot of the stuff that we we're talking about like every
0: time they mention punk i'm like oh ryan likes punk he probably understands all this no joke the movie
1: opens up with a
0: song, and I went,
1: "Oh, it's David Byrne from the talking. Oh, it's the Talking Heads, great!" And I even joked to Rachel. I said, "I wonder if Bartek will know that." I mean, we did true stories on the podcast, and he didn't <laughs> like it. So, you didn't love it. You didn't, you know, you were bewildered by it a little bit, a bit, a bit like what was. But I was like, I wonder if. Bartek, remember the Talking Heads by the end of this movie being something we've actually talked about heavily here.
0: Well they they talk about it in a scene later on and they play a record and like once They're very prominent in the movie and, talking and heads. very distinctly it was David what's his face's voice singing. David Byrne. David Byrne. He's a yeah. singer. Um yeah, so the the film kind of almost explains itself, or at least establishes, like, you know, there, there is a wanky quality to all of this, um, but it is, you know, just part of the characters. Yes. So, in, in, a, in a weird sense, like, it is stuff that I kind of was like, oh, okay, but I accepted it.
1: Yeah, and I guess, like, we're artsy people, we're actors, we go to, when we were able to, we'll go to theatre shows and whatever, but there are these people like the ones in this movie where I know them in real life and I don't want to spend time with them either. <laughs> so you to spend time with them almost two hours or about two hours was enough for me. I, I get what you're saying though, because constantly throughout the movie, I was finding myself annoyed and then questioning my own tastes because I know that on this podcast I've recommended movies in which it's mumble Corey or characters just live in life and slice a life and can be wanky. And I started questioning, why isn't this one gelling with me? And I think it is just very much. So they're the type of people, these specific people and that I just don't like. Mm. And that's it. It's simple as that. I just don't like these type of people where like I said, like the American beauty thing was like, oh, shut the fuck up. you stupid. Like when Annette Benning got pulled over by the cop, and she did that whole thing where she's just like, actually, no, how about you tell me? And I'm like, shut
0: up. Something's a- so
1: fucking <laughs> clever as a ride and so witty and smarmy. And shut That up. one
0: was a bit too far for me. I'll admit that. Yeah. The cop yeah. thing. It's like, come on, I know how this is going to end.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. And there was many moments like that, that just, kept me out of it i just i rachel hated it my wife hated it i didn't hate it it was more just oh man i i felt like i got punished sometimes because it really is that thing where it's kind of hard to boil down where you as an individual viewer have things you just don't like Mm, yeah it doesn't mean those things are wrong necessarily but you just don't like them and so this movie just grinded my gears so many times because it was just doing things that I don't like, such as, um, you know, uh, the whole kind of, uh, uh, I'm trying to articulate it. No, that's fine. There's, there's a whole slew of conversations revolving the sun, uh, going around and, and this is the thrust of the movie. So when I'm making this criticism, it's not as if this is a fault. It's just I got frustrated with it. because, And this is the goal. It wants you to get frustrated. Yeah. Um, I understand that. But there's this point where I just go what does this kid have to fucking do to get a break? Like, the main kid? Like, what does he have to fucking do to get a break? Things were fine before, and every one of these other characters has decided that things weren't fine. So they're going to do this fucking weird little social experiment on the kid and gaslight him like a motherfucker. And then the movie eventually gets around to that point where the mother tells him why she did all this, and he was like, yeah, but things were fine before. And it's like, yeah, they were fine before. (laughs) Ah, like i just got the movie just hammered in themes a little too obviously for me to have that patience with it like i also wonder if they would have less of those direct conversations where people say things out like there's there's that balancing act because this is semi-autobiographical according to imdb Mm -hmm. so there's that weird element in which a person is adopting uh, adapting real-life circumstances, but obviously it's an adaptation, so you're changing stuff around for a script. So there's many moments that are super specific. This is obviously something from this person's life, an interaction, a dynamic, a character, a piece of clothing, a preference for music, an understanding of the world, that are super specific. But then it would just be very movie in its delivery of those kind of real world observations of things where characters talk in ways where you go no one talks like this but it's offering these super specific things that relate to like real life eccentricities Mm -hmm. so i often had that disconnect where a person would be talking about the talking heads right for instance in a way that's like yeah that's like real life but then conversations like the son asking his mum all of these questions and the mum gives these beautiful answers that are great for a movie and i just know i don't think anyone talked to their mum like that i don't know if Bartek does
0: <laughs> you know those things but, half in polish half in english
1: <laughs> but yeah but enough of me kind of uh ragging on the movie because i do have things to praise but uh talk to me what do you what are your thoughts overall
0: um, one element that I did like in the film was it uses a, quite a bit of narration. Um, I mentioned before that you get character backstories and sometimes even like you know what happens afterwards. Um, and normally in in a film, something like that that isn't you know sort of structured like this is the part of the film where we follow this character, this character, this character, uh, it might feel a bit yeah unnatural, not really a thing that you would do. Um, but it really worked for me in this film. Like when they were like, my mom grew up in the Depression, you know, uh, tried, to, tried to become a pilot, but then yeah. the war ended, things like that. And then that gets uh, later on sort of mirrored or or flipped to the other side when the mom uh, talks about the, the kid, mm. her child, Jamie. Um, and a lot of the things that he was saying are sort of repeated, but for him, it's like, you know, For her, there were no TVs or something like that. For Mm. him, there are TVs and boredom and things like that. And it really shows this dynamic of like you know, they grew up in different times, and also they have their own view of what the eras that they both each other growing up in is like. So you know, like oh, mum's time was boring, but for her it was fine. My son's time is overstimulated, but for him, you know, he likes it. It's it's his time, Um, and it just really you know, helps build up these characters and like I said before, it's a thing that you keep in the back of your head. Just whenever you see the characters moving mm. forward, that helps you, you know, believe them, whether their, you know, dialogue is a bit too overly flowery or not.
1: Yeah. I, I, I thought the the difference in generational aspects were really well done where every character comes from a kind of different age group or different mm. generation or point of view
0: it feels like they were all born in like a different decade i don't know yeah. about crud up and annette benning we but-
1: never got to find out when he was born i don't think they didn't flash it with visual mm. maybe she said in dialogue there's also dialogue mm. um but i agree and i also thought they kept the narration dynamic by having every character basically have a moment of narration and also flicking between past, present, and future events to talk about in their monologues. And that was interesting because, yeah, when it starts talking about the future and the mother dies here and the internet evolves and becomes a thing. and
0: I'm the so, type of person who during Y2K prepared for it and then yeah. died before it even happened. And this is like, you know, a third of the way through the film.
1: And that was great because it made the use of this narrative device it made use of it because there's no voiceover narration can cripple a film it can be a crutch a narrative device that is in place of the narrative itself at points but i didn't find it to be here because they kept it fluid because they kept it dynamic because they always kept shifting it and changing it around so i never got a. Uh, too comfortable with it to the point of seeing it as only a writing trick even if the stuff they were saying were very metaphorical and flowery and so on and so forth so I agree with you, the narration was great the music, fantastic mm-hmm. needle drops all great, all great needle drops <laughs> although, criticism one big criticism, I was shocked the movie ends the credits roll They don't play a talking heads song. I was surprised. Mm. I was I was absolutely surprised. I was like, wow, no talking heads song to end this? Really? Okay. They just played somebody else. (laughs) They just played some other like that was really surprising because the talking heads were like a very prominent through line in the film. And I was just expecting them, you know, they opened with talking heads. They played throughout, and then I was expecting a kind of closure, and there's uh, there's a few songs from this era of Talking Heads I could think of that they could have closed it with, but nope, just something else. Okay. And so I was a little bit surprised by that, but no, music was great. The commentary on music from the characters was fairly well-rounded, although I really hated that fucking scene where... uh, I can't remember which band it was they were playing, but uh, Annette Bening is talking to uh what was Greta Gerwig's character's name the the Ziggy oh, Stardust they said it all the time
0: began with a d no let me just d let me but f- no, think no, uh, why, why?
1: while you look it up on your brain uh there's a moment where she's listening to a piece of music and Annette Bedding's character is asking like what is this like why can't people listen to beautiful music anymore and then mm. Greta Gerwig then describes in painstaking detail about how no man abby the abby's like no man the fact that they don't have talent and can't do these things is blah 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 and i fucking hate that because one could you imagine if these musicians who's uh, real people sat down and Listened to this commentary about them, like this, like what was playing on the record was like real music. <laughs> like I understand there are type of music where that that is that like, kind of like thrashy, we don't give a fuck. But but you know, she was playing like really well made music, and singing was happening. So it's just like this such a weird moment of disconnect where the writer has something in mind here to basically comment about how young people don't need organization and beauty and structure the way. Annette Benning's generation, we can just be free flowing and free formed and we don't need to know how to do it to be able to make it ourselves. But I was like, believe it or not, Iggy Pop and David Bowie and the Devo and the talking heads and Black Flag. All are skilled music like are all skilled and understand the craft and I remember- understand how to do it. They just do it in a way that wasn't like how their parents did it. I just I, that was just one of those things where I just yeah, I, I remember- wanted to rip my hair out because other than that, the movie was actually pretty good with the commentary of the music of that time. Like black flag and talking heads divide there. I was like, Yeah, punks versus new waves, yeah, sure.
0: I remember liking that scene in terms of, you know, the character interaction, you know, this character yeah. expressing themselves. Annette Benning's point of view was great. Uh, yeah. You know, two clashing things both sounded valid, especially coming from the characters. I believe that they believed that. But there was this thought in the back of my mind, of like, oh, was that especially bad sounding music? No. Like, I'm not really, you know, too into it or too familiar with it, but it sounded. It wasn't
1: that experimental.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it sounded like it had a flow. Yeah, it was well-crafted <laughs> music. <Yeah. laughs> if it was
1: more weirdo experimental music, like, like, no joke, this is me now. Yes. You won't understand. Yep. that's Certain fine. listening people will if she was playing captain Beefheart. i could see an argument being made there but even he was a very skilled musician and singer songwriter but like from an outsider's perspective and a layman he sounds like he's just a crazy man who's
0: making weirdo music i guess maybe it that doesn't
1: have any of that so-called skill and craft and organization that greta gerwig is denoting here but even then that's not true but like that's just me bitching, but I did like the commentary on the music. Like the 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 skateboard park scene was particularly great where the guy was making fun of his talking heads shirt saying that they're fags and then the kids stupidly trying to defend the talking heads by being like, well, actually, one of them's a woman and she's dating the drummer, which is true. They I think they got married in the end too, and they formed their own band. Um, only if we had Grayson here, who is a big talking heads expert. Mm. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then he gets beat up for, like, in Talking Heads because they, like, you know, Black Flag, and
0: was I it, loved all that. Wasn't that also the same scene with the, like, orgasm talk? Yes, the you orgasm know.
1: talk, and that was what kicked it off, and then he saw he wore a Talking Heads shirt and then just beat him the fuck <laughs> up. I love, you know what? See,
0: all of that went over my head. I just thought it was just getting beaten up purely because of the sex well, thing. Well, <laughs> because then
1: afterwards, he says it was because of the sex thing, but, like, the guy was just, like, Talking Heads, fag, and then he, Art Fag, and then Black Flag a part of it a major factor was his tastes in music yeah yeah and we still understand that that's a thing today but it really did throw you back to the time period in which there was a huge kind of me versus them attitude when it comes to music wasn't there a big... gender race people uh, clothing wasn't there a big masculinity like punk femininity versus disco kind of thing back yeah. then yeah oh oh yeah, yeah yeah and um yeah very much so, and so, and it's silly. I mean, I my my, my parents love punk music, but they also, you know, it, it's funny nowadays to look at it because most people agree like the Talking Heads are one of the greatest <laughs> bands of that era. So it's kind of funny, and you know, there's no reason why punks can't love other music. It's it's one of those silly things where it's just how people are, even with today's things. Whether it's moved on from music preferences to Internet fandoms, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know how it is. You, I mean, you were saying to me before we started this podcast, you were saying something as specific about Gundam to me. oh uh, yes. <laughs> and you then proceeded to make mockery of people how elitist they can be yeah. about it. But here, this is really honing into a, a really, really small window of time where this was a prevalent thing 1979, the death throes of punk, according to some. I did, like, uh, me being me, I did, like, one of the photos they showed was Iggy Pop. I was like, I pointed and went, hey, it's Iggy Pop, and then I proceeded to put my hand down. <laughs> oh, he's gone. I'm
0: putting my hand down. That was
1: it. Yeah. The the Ramones followed him after. The Ramones are great, but I was like, hey, it's Iggy, and then I put my hand down.
0: Mm-hmm. In your head, you knew it was the Ramones.
1: Yeah, I, I, I smiled. It's the Ramones. Uh, uh, another positive I want to give this film is looks great visually i loved the color palette of the movie i loved the clothes i loved what everybody like looked like their hairstyles yeah i agree annette bennings was really great because her hair was kind of like really reminiscent of the 40s when Mm -hmm. she was from but also kind of stringy and messy and she was always kind of fiddling with it as Mm. a nervous tick she looks not
0: too unlike kitty from that 70s show right Yeah. yeah
1: where kitty from that 70s show has 70s style hair but you can tell it also comes from like that 1940s when they were young kind of waved style a bit but yeah i got that vibe too when i was watching it like oh that 70s show Where's Eric? <laughs> Is he Eric? Is our main kid Eric? He's he'll, kind be, of,
0: he'll be Eric in a few years. Without a Donna. Without a Donna. But it'll be the 80s then. So. But
1: you know. uh, what about you? Any any other major things you want to bring up positive-wise?
0: Uh, there was something, but I was so enamored by your music thing that it's kind I of know. slipped my mind. Um, That's music people. That's music uh, people. Politics kinda...
1: <laughs> oh, I found it... Uh. Uh, Very fascinating that the friendship between uh, Jamie and what was Elle Fanning's character name? I just want to keep calling it Elle Fanning because I like her so much that I, in a weird way, forget the names of characters. (laughs) How did you forget
0: it's Julie?
1: Julie! I found their friendship rather fascinating and complicated. It had lots of problems that I've seen emerge from real life friendships like that. Now that you
0: mention that, I remember you telling me about some of these. Yeah,
1: right. And uh, it was very, very bizarre. And uh, you know, growing up, I had very close, and I still do have very close friendships with 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 girls. And I thought that was with cool. Twentieth century women, twentieth century women, um, and how there is at least when I grew up in rural Australia, there was like weird stigma around that where guys were like, you you have to be into the girls to be friends with the girls and other girls thinking the same thing. And it was just kind of weird vibe. And this movie obviously plays around in that because it's really delving into what it is to be masculine mm. and to be a guy. What it is to be a guy, Bartek.
0: Is that a reference to something?
1: He's just trying to be a guy. Our main character's just trying to be a guy.
0: Why do you keep saying that?
1: Because it's really
0: funny, dude. Are you, I'm getting you trying to give me some Vietnam flashbacks or something. Like I don't know what you're talking. Holy about. Ho Chi Minh! <laughs> no, that was Stardust. I know. I
1: just <laughs> wanted to throw that at you.
0: That was a Vietnam story, right?
1: <sighs> yeah, I mean, he was no. Meant. I found the friendship frustrating in the way that I think it's meant to be, mm. in which it was a frustration at both of them. I didn't feel like it was weighted on one or the other. I feel like both of them were at fault for things that went wrong in their friendship, but also I understood why they were friends. Mm. I thought it was really well done.
0: Yeah, it was a conflicting thing, especially when you, you know, look at how the the Julie character, you know, not only doesn't want to have a relationship with this character, but has lots and lots of, you know, affairs with other characters and, like, constantly mm. tells him about it. There is this kind of thing of, like, well, there's no way he's going to like that.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, there's also, like, grow up, bro. You just got to grow up, man. Be a man. Be a bro. Be a guy.
0: Be a guy. Um, just
1: trying to be a guy. I could have just watched a movie about them too. That's the thing. This movie has so much going on. To go back to some negatives... I wish scenes were longer. There's just so many scenes and they're all like maybe like one of them will be max 90 seconds long, Mm. maybe two minutes. But a lot of them are like 10, 15, maybe 40 second long scenes. And then it's just gone, 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 Mm. gone. I like them, but I just kind of was like, oh, I would have just loved to sit in a moment longer but I guess there's an argument to be made that this is almost like character reflecting on their life and they're going through all of these moments. Mm. We want like to see we
0: want to see what the cops said after that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Ma'am, that was funny. You're arrested for being so hilarious. And then he puts the handcuffs on her, but they're like clown handcuffs, like ones made out of balloons.
0: And she's like, what is this? And then splashes water in her face. Yeah, and then he
1: puts her in the cop car but it's like a, a clown cop car like a clown car painted like a cop car
0: <laughs> and, then <at> one point, <laughs> and then at one point and then at one point he says by the way i don't find any of this funny which explains why later and she's like you have no sense of humor
1: um i have a fun fact the director made another film that i think you may be interested in called beginners
0: i would say that that was his previous film right
1: where it's about his father
0: mm-hmm yeah, it said he came out as gay or something. Yes,
1: Christopher Plummer, you know, Kevin Spacey, no, Christopher, it's actually Christopher Plummer, is his uh, you know older father who he's estranged from, comes out as gay, and there's just like having to deal with that and what that's all about, but uh, I thought that may be of interest to you because it's a nice little companion to this in which this is the director dealing about his relationship with his mother. Uh, but one of the things that's that's truly 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 fascinating is it's uh, Ewan McGregor who we like as the son, mm-hmm. and the poster has the cast and a little friend. What do movie posters often have on them, Bartek? We've no- what's when we have done this podcast? What is a little? thing that are on movie posters we've noted down a lot and sometimes don't appear in movies a dog a dog (laughs) it has a cute little dog on the poster and i had to watch the because i haven't seen this movie i had to watch the trailer the dog's in the film he is in the movie oh okay because many times like in empire records the dog's on the poster but never in the film yeah in fact, it's actually a little phenomenon in media mar- in movie marketing in which they put cute animals on posters in- for movies to draw you for- to draw some people in, but the animal is not in the film at all. But this one actually has the cute little dog in the movie. Hmm. I just wanted to raise that to you cuz that might be a funny little so thing for you to know. it's
0: up there with Scooby Doo. I
1: said I said little dog. That's a big dog. <laughs> He's a big That's a fair point. He's a, he's he's taller than Matthew Lillard. <laughs> who's a big guy. Was he
0: taller than Matthew? Lillard? I think he
1: was. Oh. Maybe that's me thinking of him in heels.
0: Oh, they were they were uh, at least pretty similar. You're right.
1: Maybe that's me thinking of
0: Scooby in heels when he was dressed as a sexy lady. <laughs> yes, yes. Very I'm glad you said sexy. I was about to correct you on that.
1: <laughs> um, I don't have so much else on my plate about this. What about
0: you? I guess one of the big things I really like about the film, which I've already, you know, kind of said, is just that everything feels like it makes sense when you get it. Like, even mm-hmm. though it is, you know, you might think it's wanky, um, you might think it's a bit too artificial, or you might think, like, oh, I didn't like that. There is a sense to, you know, the characters. Like, the, the Annette Benning mum character, a lot of the things that she said- kind of frustrated me in very similar sense to the hmm. to the abby, abby character that you yeah. said before um very you know kind of uh not fourth wall breaking is not the word but i think there was a fourth wall break was there
1: when billy Crudup has a lot like he says something and annette benning just and Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe you can tell me. They're at the staircase, and he's sanding the the, 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 hand rail, the railing of the stair. And she talks to him, and he says something very dry. And she, out of nowhere, says, You don't get many funny lines in this, do you? And then she
0: walks off, and that was the end of the scene. Oh, that. Oh, I, I just thought that was, like, that he wasn't very, like, witty.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's just such a... No one says that. <laughs> it's very, yeah. Like, like the day- if you and I are talking... Casually, imagine if I just said that to you. You're like, "What am I in a play right now?" Like it was just, it's just such a weird little like. I couldn't tell if that was the writer, it, you know, looking at the you camera know what, going like, "I know so that you, he's not particularly funny."
0: So you put that on the same level as like, "Or oh, do I have to end your story too?" Yeah, no, I really do. I really
1: do. From Twin Peaks, yes, I do, hundred percent. I guess the word I was looking for was more. What like- are we? Some kind
0: of Suicide Squad? <laughs> No, I prefer the shark hell comment section. What what is this? Some kind of suicide fish? (laughs) Because it was Will Smith and he said the Suicide Squad line, so you have to make it a fish. Uh, Um, I guess more self aware or like the the fact that she... It feels weird that I'm going to say that like, oh, she was questioning things. Like, that's a bad thing. But like... uh It was just a very consistent thing that she was doing. Like, why can't things be beautiful? Or why why are you talking like this? That kind of thing. Like, there were just some things there that, like, yeah, it kind of got to me. But again, it was consistent. And I believe that this is the character and the conflict of the film. The fact that she is you know, questioning things to the point that she doesn't realise that things were fine with her son in the first place and yeah. they could have just kept going on and been happy. But
1: she was having problems. Yeah, it and just she it, projected it onto fixing him. Yeah. But I, there was nothing wrong with him. Yeah.
0: So even though, yeah, not my favourite film, but I really liked it because everything felt like it did fit together, even if it was, you know, a little bit isolating.
1: But did you use Spit as a lube? Did you? <laughs> Partick looks really upset. Did you use spit as lube, Partick? It's the question. Because we find out that Elle Fanning, that's all she had, was spit as lube. That was one of those scenes where we went, okay, we're going to
0: write this into the script now? All right. The menstruation scene.
1: At the end of the funny menstruation scene, let's just make it fucking I'm gonna, bizarre I'll, with like this. I, mentioned... I lost my sex. <laughs> I had my sex in a car, and it was, what was it? It was, it was like painful sex, and I was like, mm. oh god, why are we doing this?
0: I uh, yeah, I do remember. Um... Even even though I said I didn't remember too much about the film, that scene always did stick in my head. Just the the dinner scene where they're talking about you know menstruation and, and sex. sex and virginity losing and things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess I'll ask you. This came out the same year. Elle Fanning, Neon Demon. So she, this and Neon Demon back to back, mm-hmm. and she looks basically the same. Of course, the long blonde hair and uh, you know same looking age. Of course. So I mean, I was curious of what you thought of her. In this, because have you seen her in much else other than Neon Demon in this?
0: I think when I looked up the filmography, there might have been one other thing, but... She was in Super 8. It's completely slipped my mind. I can't remember what it would have been. But no, she was excellent. Like I said, all the characters in this felt like they were very well characterized, very believable. And even though she also had a lot of those very, you know, indie, Mm frustration-y, wanky things to it... You don't love me. You love the I- your idea of me. Mm. Sounds like something, yeah, we've mentioned, we've said that kind of phrase a million times on this podcast. Obviously not about ourselves, but mm. about characters in the films, like in bedazzled things like that. Mm. Um, Yeah, again, I, I think all five of our leads were very good.
1: Yeah, I was just curious because... You found her hard to grasp onto in the Neon Demon, Mm -hmm. her character and her performance. And I found it rather interesting that she's here and she's playing the teenage girl who's a little bit selfish in her own right and doesn't think about others, but also seems like a nice enough person. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious because, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where I just go, here she is, same time period. But, uh... She was in Maleficent, if that helps you. I'm trying to find out what you would know her from. And, of course, Robot Chicken, Bartek. But, no, she's she's great. I, I thought she was, yeah, like I said, she's my favorite. Uh, I don't know if it's just because I've seen her in a bunch of things. But, uh, yeah, this is Neon Demon back-to-back. Trombo. She was really good in Trombo as I, well, actually. I thought she was.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen Trombo, but I've been curious about it. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, Top of the Filmography, I Am Sam. I know I've seen that, but I don't really remember it. <laughs> She was a voice in Astro Boy. And oh, she was in Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh, she was in Daddy Daycare. I've seen Daddy Daycare. Was she actually in Daddy Daycare? That's second on the list. I am Sam, then Daddy Daycare.
1: Oh, wow. There you go. Daddy Daycare. Far (laughs) out. I haven't, you know, I've never seen that movie. I, I saw it when I was young. And it's I think been we've so long. threatened to do it on the podcast because it seemed like such an unappreciated masterpiece. I think type. it is an unappreciated
0: masterpiece for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, hear that, people? Uh, it's my recommendation next, if you're all right, to move on.
0: Yeah, we can do that.
1: Uh, so I'm recommending a film, and obviously it's going to be Daddy Daycare, everybody. Um, it's
0: an Eddie Murphy film?
1: It's an Eddie Murphy film. No, I'm actually recommending another film I haven't seen, mm-hmm. but it's been on my watch list for a while, and I'm very fascinated about it. It is a movie called Bloodline, starring Sean William Scott.
0: Ooh, Chester. Chest. Or Stifler, if you're, you know, that kind of person.
1: Oh, uh, okay, wow, Bartek, you're gonna get defensive. <laughs> he's he's obviously Stifler. No, um, bloodline. It's a psychological. Here's what I know. It's a psychological horror film. Okay. And Sean William Scott's supposed to be playing a far more dramatic role than he has ever done in his career. Intense. That's all I know. And you know me, I love seeing actors step out of their wheelhouse. And you know me, I'm also a fan of him as an actor. I said Ooh. that in our in our episode on Dude, Where's My Car? I usually like him in I things. think you said that every time we've seen him. Yeah, I've always liked him. I've always enjoyed him. He's always brought fun and good energy. And I've found him to be really... Yeah, just one of those guys, but I like seeing him. So I've had this I'd on my, I, I've had this on my list for ages. I, when I heard it, when it first came out, I heard about this. I wrote it down, like, oh, I want to see this. What year is it? I'd have to relook it up. I only just have it listed, written down. But um, yeah, Bloodline from a few years back. Sean William Scott. We'll be doing that next episode. We'll see how it goes. See what mm-hmm. it's all about. Again, I don't even really know too much about the plot. More just the general it's more of a darker film with somebody who we know to be a comedic actor. Uh, So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. People listen in for that one next time, make sure to give that film a watch in the interim. Uh, You can hit us up on the social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, spit and polish presents, as well as our email uh, spit and polished at gmail.com where you can suggest movies to us and we'll add them in our list of recommendations and eventually do a discussion on them. We've got a, a good amount, but we could always do with some more. In fact, we have one or two films that we actually have to hunt down copies of because they're Ooh. a little harder to find. Okay, certain uh, native films, as we call them, and Polish. Ah uh, uh, yes, yes Bartek <laughs> says, but I'm, I am keen to get a viewing of. We have never, we've never done a Polish film. Mm. Proper. We've done Even though f- we're in top 10 Polish podcasts.
0: Yes, I s- probably still number four. I don't think they keep updating it. <laughs> I'll have to check. We've done a film that had a Polish gang in it. Yeah. They call me Bruce.
1: Oh, oh, oh I remember. I didn't need <laughs> you to remind me. I actually remembered. It was a big argument point that I had <laughs> in that episode where I was like circling back around. Right. I'm like, I think it's these guys. And then being told, I don't think so. And then me throwing my hands up in there going, well, who is it then? Give me, a, give me, give me somebody else then, and then there was never anyone else to point <laughs> to. So I'm like, by default,
0: I'm right.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that was fun, Bartek. Fun but,
0: Bartek and fun Ryan.
1: Oh, but you see, it's over now. Bartek lived his life. A few years after this recording, he fi- he finally found his partner who we don't get to see in the frame, because that means we would have had to hire an actor to play them. But they, every year, give Bartek a present of flying a biplane and enjoying themselves. And I eventually died. When? In the future, of course. And before I died, I had a son, who is now letting you listen to this message on the new Disney Plus-owned YouTube platform. Thank you very much.
0: Ryan went on to tell lies about narrations about people. What he really did was he went next door, asked for the big spaghetti. They gave him medium. He still took it anyway because he was too embarrassed to correct them. He ate it. He liked it. And then about... Seven months and 18 days later, he went back and told them, it was meant to be large, actually. And they said, what? He said, it was meant to be large, actually. And they said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Ryan slumped and just went back home.
1: And then he went back home and his wife told him, where have you said to him, where have you been? I said I went to the place where they gave me the medium spaghetti. <laughs> they meant to give me the large spaghetti,
0: and Ra- and and Rachel Ryan- and, Ryan- and Rachel said, "No, you mean the big spaghetti."
1: You mean the big spaghetti, and then Rachel looked at Ryan, squinted, and said, "You know they don't give you spaghetti there." And that's how I died from the sheer shock of
0: that revelation. It was bloodline all along.
1: N- not the Ben Mendelssohn show bloodline, which I've also recommended.
0: That's probably what I was thinking of. I'm like, Ryan's mentioned that before, hasn't he?